0: BLOB TALK RADIO saddle on the orange report we are back in full wednesday mode from here until the end of the season hallelujah football season is fastly approaching we're in the 30 days um, a few more days and 30 days out from actual live football nfl camps are starting this week and next week um, good times are upon us exciting times we can get get past all of the soap opera, the Brady talk, and Flategate, and all of that nonsense, and we get to talk about real football. As always, joining me from Fort Worth is Matt. How's it going today, Matt?
1: Doing great. Glad to be back with you, and I can see the finish line from here. It's almost football season.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm Mike, and I'm down in Houston, and I want to let our listeners know right off the bat, I'm trying a a new way to connect to the podcast tonight. So if we have some audio um, glitches, um, I'll hear them when I listen to the replay later um, tonight. But I wanted to do a kind of this test show um, to kind of test the new software that we're using, and and hopefully it'll sound better. It seems like I'm going to have a better connection, so we'll see how it goes uh, and and, and make a decision for for next week's show, but as I said, we are back in the saddle, full shows from here on out every Wednesday, um, lots of good guests already lined up, and that's what I want to start with tonight, is I want to kind of tell our listeners who we've got coming up next week, we're going to start um, on August 5th, next Wednesday, our preview shows, and <clears throat> right out the bag at 8.05, we're going to have Alan Kinney, um, he's going to um, preview our friends from Norman um, everybody knows Alan. He he does a podcast and he runs the um, Blatant Homerism site. Uh, real real well known OU um, person who um, covers athletics and of course football. Then at eight thirty five we've got Truth of the Bear, Brian Etheridge from the Two Forty Seven site. Come on, thirty five, and we'll talk about the Baylor Bears and what um, he expects and what we expect from them this season. So next week's show. Um, looking um, pretty strong. And then the week after that, we've got Marshall Weber from Frog of War covers TCU. Kevin Flaherty from the Shiver um, at 8:35, who covers Kansas on the 247 site. And then we've got SB Nation, um, um, Ride Right, Natty. The following week with ISU. So I mean, we've got we've got guests lined up all the way up until our preview show of Notre Dame. I do not have my Notre Dame guest confirmed yet. I've got feelers out. one has kind of tentatively um, confirmed with me. So as we get closer to Notre Dame, the week, the Wednesday of the Notre Dame game, we'll obviously have a, a Notre Dame guest on there. So um, lots of good guests, lots of good things to talk about. Hell, it's been all summer since we had a show, and I have actually felt real good all summer. About I guess Saturday, I started feeling terrible. Um, So I went to the doctor yesterday, and of course, I've got wonderful bronchitis, so I haven't coughed much today. The antibiotics he gave me were pretty strong in the cough syrup, so I might fall asleep during the show, but hopefully I may not cough. So um, if I do cough, I'll try to hit my mute button. Matt was just telling me off the air, he's been down and out for about four or five days. So we're a mass unit tonight, but it's been so long since we had a show, and I've been targeting this one as kind of the start back date. I didn't want to delay it another week, so uh, we're going to go for at least 45 minutes, hopefully an hour, because we do have a lot to cover, but we both are under the weather. So if you hear both of us coughing or, or, or feeling kind of weak, uh, it's not an excuse, it's a reality. So that, that's, that's where we are with the, the health of the host today. Um, for those that can't listen live, um, I do want to reiterate where you can find the show later tonight or tomorrow. Um, it is on iTunes, just what the Orange Report. We're also on the Stitcher. And tune in at on the Android. Uh, I'm also going to be part of. I just got the email uh, the other day, and I will I will tweet it out probably later tonight or tomorrow. I don't have the details right in front of me, but there is a new Texas Longhorn Sports Radio app. Some guys have um, started, and I'm going to be one of their podcasts on there as well. So once that's up tomorrow, I will tweet out that. So it's another free app you can download and hear not only my show but other. Um, Texas Longhorn related content there. I think it's going to be a, a, a pretty good um, a pretty good site for people um, to, to check out. So with that said, um, um, I want to start off real quick with just a few updates, some other updates, UT related. Um, been getting lots of DMs and questions about this, so I thought we'd address it right away. Um, Lampkin, what's going on with Lampkin? Well, if anybody's been covering this uh, fiasco ordeal, basically he is not going to be a Texas Long story short, he needed to pass several Spanish classes. It don't look like it's gonna occur. Um, so probably, probably the way this is going to play out is is probably in the next several weeks, he will get officially denied admission to, to UT. Now this is a UT admissions issue. This is not an NCAA, it's not a house. So once once he is officially denied from, from the University of Texas, uh, as NCAA bylaw state, he will be released from his letter of intent, and he will be free to sign with whatever whatever university is willing to give him a scholarship that that will either waive or does not have the foreign requirement. Uh, it'll most likely be an out-of-state school. I'm probably presuming it's going to be OU. Now we could talk about the politics. Did he get cold feet and he didn't pass the classes so he could end up at OU? This or that. At this point. It really doesn't matter to me why he's not enrolling at UT. The bottom line, he's not going to be If he wants to go, I mean, do you want a kid to to show up and then, okay, and then he really doesn't want to be there and he goes through the motions for a year or two and then he transfers or it doesn't work out, I would rather free up this scholarship, get a 2016 kid. Hey, he got cold feet. There's no sense in calling bad names. and if that's the true story maybe he just couldn't pass the spanish class maybe he got behind on him he may very well have a learning disability and as his mom said there's lots of roads we can go down i'm not going down any of them because i really don't care he's not going to be a longhorn he's not going to be part of the football team i'd rather focus on the 80 plus guys that are going to be there and get this ship back to where it was going to go so we're going to wish the man the young man luck wherever it goes now am i going to talk trash to you people who say we're playing dirty and? And holding him up and all that, yeah, I'm going to defend my university, but I'm not going to let the kid, you know, be in the middle and trash because at this point I really don't care the reason. The point is he's not going to be at Texas. It's time to move on, folks. That's my take on Lampkin. I don't know if you're familiar with the story, Matt, if you have any further takes on that or we can move on.
1: No, I mean, I agree with you 100%. It's done. He, Whatever the reason, it wasn't going to work anyway, so let's forget it and move on.
0: Couple other people were waiting on for fall camp. Um, Gilbert Johnson, um, the, the 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 stud receiver who I thought really could come in and help us. Um, he was probably a long long shot to ever get in. Um, he liked Texas. Charlie gave him the offer. He committed. You know he signed. Um, you know there was always hope that he could get in. It looks very very dim for him ever going um, to get. In. So you know we'll move on from that and wish the young man um, luck. Now. The two that are still on the fence is obviously Devo Clarendon, the tight end, who I think could come in and help us, and then obviously Major, um, the offensive lineman from the Huntsville um, area. Uh, I think Major was finishing up some summer classes um, on his tweets um, and other information. I feel fairly confident when it's all said and done. um, By the time fall camp starts, um, Major's probably going to be able to get there. Clarendon, I would say it's a little bit better than fifty percent. What's going on with him? Basically, it's in the clearinghouse. Um, he's got several transcripts from several different schools he attended while in high school. So they're trying to sort out all of the credits. Do they have enough? Do he take the right classes, and will they count um, certain credits? Um, you know, again, we could go down the road why he transferred high school, why he did this. At this point all that. It, it really doesn't matter at this point. Uh, it's in the clearinghouse's hands. They're either going to say yes or they're going to say no or they're going to drag their feet and then they're going to say yes or they're going to say no. That's really where it's at. Now, I will say this, uh, midsummer, um, he he took the ACT, he tweeted out his ACT, his actual score sheet. And he made a 26 on it. Um, is that like off the charts genius? No, but it's way better than most football players. I can tell you or a lot of people who go to college. Um, who take the act so obviously he has the the intelligence the 26 is a pretty dead gum good score so um, he has passed all the requirements, done everything the clearinghouse has told him to do so all we can sit and wait and hope that he gets in so that's where we are with those updates so um we'll we'll move on from there and we'll just see if they enroll obviously the second summer session is, is just about over so um you know fall camp starts august 7th um we're going to know here in the next week if they get there they may be late to fall camp luckily i I guess the first class day i don't even know i haven't even looked at the school calendar but i'm sure it's late august probably the first weekend uh, first monday in september normally Uh, they may have to miss a few weeks uh, of practice but they may still be able to enroll in school in time so of course it'll put them behind uh, but obviously they'll be in school and we'll have them for the next four or five years majors probably going to redshirt anyway clarington probably going to red shirt anyway, um, you know, may, may, may have seemed to feel a little bit. So um, the key is we just need to get them into school and maybe not worry about what their contribution would be uh, this year. So um, that's a, those updates. I'm going to talk about the topic that I hope I don't derail the whole show on, um, and, I, and I'm really not going to, but I, I think we have to discuss it because, I mean, obviously the athletic department and the athletic director is a big part of UT sports. And I mean Patterson is Patterson. I I think you know we have a pattern now, who he is, and 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 I and I and I'm gonna say this. I, I do think Pat I do think Patterson loves UT. I mean I hope he does. He's an love, My God, um, but I mean he is definitely a straightforward business type person. And you know, and, and in an outward position like that, you have to have a certain type of personality i think to really really exceed at the job and that's the picture criteria is far as exceeding so we're going to talk about that a little bit obviously he is a very aloof arrogant person uh that's just who he is i mean does he have asperger syndrome i don't know does he have does he is just just who he is i don't know but i mean as one who has grown up in Houston and knew back when he was with the Rockets and their general manager, he was no different 20-something years ago. I remember the fans and the talk shows and the media talking about how much of an ass he was back then. So nothing has changed. So what we have to realize is this is what we're going to get. Uh, Now, on the positive side, I mean, he did go out and and he did bring a Shaka Smart, who we don't know how good Shaka Smart's going to be, but we think it's a good hire. And then the same thing with Strong. I, I think... We're starting to see things that Strong is definitely uh, the, right, the right guy. We don't know for sure because we're not winning enough football games yet. We'll see if that comes. So he's made some positive things there. Um, I do think the new ticket system, the the, the true thing, is, is pretty cool that you can go on there and move around. Now, the way it was rolled out, horrible, talking about people buying boats and selling their tickets, stupid comment, tweeting out that you don't even know the name of a uh, uh, you know. The, the, the current biggest named golfer you know person um you know stupid stuff like that and then we can go down the, the the line of comments so i guess what i'm getting to say with patterson i think it's still too early to completely judge him on the job i think we've got enough evidence to say yes he's an aloof ass does that mean he can't be an effective ad time will tell i'm leaning towards believing that it's probably going to cost him his job because I mean we have a new president. I mean it's well documented. He's meeting with Benvis, Benvis um and Helma have got cross, have already been cross-eyed, and I don't. Th- I just think his days are numbered. When will they pull the trigger? Who knows? Um, it'll be interesting to see. But I want to see what Matt's takes on the whole AD Patterson fiasco is at this point.
1: Well, Mike, I think you make a good point that. He's the same guy he's been for 20 years. So, although I'm frustrated as many other fans, you think about if UT turns around and, let's say they fired him tomorrow. What does that say about the people that made the decision? Because he's not magically overnight turned into this guy. He's exactly who he was going to be when you hired him. So it, it calls into question, what was the damn thought process that led him to get hired in the first place? And the fact that now after what has it been, two years? You're going to turn around and undo it and say, well, we made a mistake. I mean, you can't afford to make mistakes of that magnitude in such an important position. So I know a lot of the power brokers that were involved in that decision are no longer areas of leadership at UT, but I just don't think that they will allow a, that quick of a, of a hook unless you just does something completely ridiculous, you know, and give them no other option. Uh, my personal opinion is... Um, you know, unless you know, unless Charlie Strong pulls some kind of miracle out this year and the team just wildly exceeds expectation, um, I think that people are going to people are not going to be uh, uh, anxious to give put a lot of heat on Charlie Strong, but they're going to be frustrated, and so their whipping boy is going to be Patterson. And so, I mean, unless he just hides out of the public eye completely, they're going to just find any reason. I mean, he'll probably give them lots of ammo. But even if he doesn't, they're gonna, the fans are going to find a way to get pissed off at him. Um, and I think that he'll probably not be around when the Irish come to Austin at the start of 2016.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty quick. I, I you know, I was reading so many reports about a month ago. I thought, hell, he may not make kickoff 2015, but I, I think that would be quick. But uh, and then I thought, well, you know, that's a, that's, a, you know, paying paying off, you know, quite a quite a few millions of dollars to him. Um, he'd probably get another two years, but yeah, you know, I think a year out is possible. And I think with us having the new chancellor, McRaven, I think McRaven and Fendus are on the, on the same, are on the same page. So I think McCraven's going to give, um uh, uh, full attitude to do whatever he wants to do. And if Finvis gets more sideways and more frustrated, um, you know, and, and, and keeps getting his emails and phone blown up with complaints, um, I could see Fenvis pulling the plug and just and, and then moving forward. And I think you make a valid point of what does it say about the people hiring? Fenvis, I think, has an out because he could say, Hey, I wasn't the president. This wasn't my guy. Um, you know, Patterson is a it, it, you know, has it different than mine. And now that I'm gonna be the president, I wanted to go in a different direction. And I think that that would be their out. And and I and I think that's and I think that's the route we are gonna go. And I think you may very well be right on it. That by the time uh, Notre Dame comes to DKR next year, we, we may have a different athletic director. Now, what concerns me with that, depending on how our season plays out, uh, you know, does this Charlie Strong have cover from FEMBUS? You bring in a new athletic director, um, you know, Charlie's got to get to know that person. And what if they don't hit it off? It's a different style. We're still struggling. Strong could be gone. I mean, now some people that may make happy. I and mean, maybe maybe if we're still 500, to be done. But that's a conversation for another day. So it just—it definitely changes a lot of the, the the dynamics moving forward. But I think it's definitely something that needs to be monitored, and we need to watch because I mean, the athletic director. Hell, I mean, he's overseeing. I mean, we know what our budget is, uh, and I and I'm not going to sit here and say that, that we did it. We didn't need. I mean, we talked about it for a year and a half—the the cuts and the fat that that needed to be trimmed. But it appears, you know, he's trimming in areas that you know, are really not making a difference. I mean, uh, you know, cutting the meals out for the coaches. I can see cutting them back some. I mean, the ticket prices have gone up. We beat that. To death. And I mean, the latest deal was they wanted to move the um, academic support people, you know, out of, you know, move it down a little bit. And, and luckily, from all accounts, Strong did stand up and say, no, we're not doing that. That's an inconvenient for the football players and other athletes. We're keeping it right here. Close to the locker room. This is where needs to be, and he won that battle. So I'm glad that Strong spoke out for that because obviously he hasn't won a lot, so he doesn't have a lot of political, you know, capital built up. But I'm glad he spoke up on that. So, but yeah, it is going to be a a situation to watch moving forward because I mean, it could affect, you know, so many other, you know, things. And you know, Smart, it could affect Strong they not like the new ad and they bail because i mean you just you just you just don't know what domino effect that could you know that could have on the uh, on the horizon and you know obviously you bring in a new a new coach in either of your major sports i mean you're back to rebuilding again and you know let's just hope that doesn't happen because you know I want strong to get his four or five years to see what he can really really do because i'm starting to see some signs now that 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 this ship is starting to get back on the on the rail a little bit and that's what we're going to talk about in just a minute so um, that's enough of the Patterson talk Um, let's talk about our couple really really quick recruiting updates Um, because we've got we've gotten some new commits obviously over the summer Um, but let me just go through our list real quick we're up to about eight commits Um, you know I'm um, our 2016 class is way ahead of where the 2015 class is. It's, it's looking really, really strong. Obviously, the latest um, is, is Peter uh, O'Shan from New Orleans, a big time tight end. Um, he's a three star on the Rivals, Matt, but I think for the season's all said, he's going to be a high four star guy. Uh, I love what his mom said, um, you know, why they ended up picking uh, Texas. And she, I mean, she was real adamant. It was, it was the. It values of strong and the way strong carried himself and the way he wanted um, her son to not only be a good football player but a better man. And you're starting to hear these themes over and over again. Obviously, Demarco Boyd, Chris's brother, he's been committed a long time. Shane Bichelle, uh, other other than, than, than Sean Robert, you know, I mean, other than just a few other, you know, Shea Patterson maybe in the class. Uh, I think he, he's one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the entire country. We got a real, real really good player. Obviously, over the summer, he went to um, the uh, Elite 11. All of the camps uh, blew up. I mean, has shown what he is. He was already a star. Um, He's going to be pushing five-star status um, before it's all said and done. This guy is the real deal. This is the first time we've had a quarterback commit uh, at this level um, that has really got a rocket for an arm, a true leader. Um, We we got us a good one here. Uh, And then the commit happened um, about a week and a half ago um, that completely shocked the nation. It mean, shocked me. Um, Tredavion Dixon, wide receiver out of Navasota. And, and, and this is what's funny about him. If you go back and look at tweets and reports uh, from 2014 and 15 about up and down, people thought were going to be the best of the best in the 2016 class, everybody had this kid pegged as one of the top wide receivers. I'm drinking a sip of water, folks. I apologize I'm about the call. Um, this kid is from Navasota. I mean, not everybody who lives in Texas knows Navasota has been for Aggie. Um, everybody had him pegged on to Aggie out of the blue. Um, he had been visiting behind the scenes us a little bit. This kid is 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 exemplifies what you want out of a player. He doesn't do a lot, he's not a big social media guy. He doesn't um um of interviews he just he just handles his business he goes about it in a very professional manner uh, and um him and his parents met with strong again um you know he wasn't planning on committing he went home told his parents said um i'm perfectly comfortable i, I can shut the-. they were perfectly and they were both ecstatic because they weren't trying to pressure him. um they were thrilled with his choice and he committed and i think we got the steal of the 2016 class um TreDavian um dixon wide receiver i think he is the real playmaker deal. I mean, I think in a couple of years, we're going to look back on this and realize what we really got here. Another one's Reggie Hempfield, another big-time favor. This is what's amazing to me is we're, we're we're getting all of these offensive speedsters and stud guys committed to us based on what we think we're going to be in the future. And obviously, we know we've changed the offense, and I think they're looking forward to come in and playing in a more wide-open offense. So, I mean, even with us having such a offense i'm shocked that we're getting uh, a lot of these um stud offensive um, athletes another one is cope an offensive lineman six five three twenty four uh i think he's going to be a big time player and then obviously colin johnson um probably the most underrated wide receiver in the country he's about six five now about 210 um this is a funny thing this is how these these recruiting and, and scouting services are so stupid he doesn't like doing a lot of camps it's just, he just doesn't go to a lot of them so his ranking has dropped this summer because he hadn't gone to camps as soon as football season starts back up and he's out there that he's been for two years you know he's already a four star he'll probably be a five star this kid is an absolute elite um receiver. And obviously, his brother's already on campus as a running back. And then we got another kid out of Louisiana, um, an offensive tackle, defensive tackle. I don't know which way he'll play. Harold um, 6'3", 305. So if you see, we're hitting Louisiana um, pretty high-heavy. So um, that's the the current class, and um, it is shaping up to be, I think, easy a top ten class if we can land some of the others that we're in the, the running for. See us being, a, you know, a top six or seven. Class, so obviously, strong and the staff have have just kept grinding, have kept the message the same, um, have are doing it their way. I mean, you know, they're making the offers when they want, um, they're not doing it when fans or other people want. They he has a method to his process, and he's fail or succeed doing it his way. Now, do we know if that's going to work? We don't know yet, but I will admire strong for this, he is sticking to his guns. And he thinks his recipe for success is the way to do it. And he and he's doing it his way, no doubt about it. So um it's we're way ahead in the 2016 class of where we were uh 2015. Um and it's clear because the message is uh, and I think I think the message it's to resonate uh with kids in the state of Texas, but the bordering states and around the country importantly starting to resonate with parents and as we know with a lot of these kids parents you know have a huge influence on on where they go so um any thoughts on that matt
1: well yeah you know just listening to you know what you're saying about uh what the players are looking for and maybe strong's message is resonating it feels like to me like the the high caliber recruits at least in texas seems like you know they may come from differing backgrounds or whatever, but it sure seems like a lot of times they actually do have pretty good uh, mentors or parents or some kind of support system to kind of guide them. Because I think these are pretty wise decisions. I mean, you know, if you're a, if you're a junior at high school, it doesn't matter who's the best team in the state right now, right? I mean, because by the time you get there, those guys are going to be gone. There's going to be another set of people coming into campus a whole new regime and you don't know it's a cutthroat world you don't even know if your coach will still be there or if you know if this team will play in the same conference or anything like that so it seems like the players more now look to each other in that class there's a lot more it seems like class unity like hey we're the class of 17 or 18 and they get to know each other and feel comfortable about who's a good guy and who's uh you know somebody that's a knucklehead but it, to me it's a little bit it's it's a refreshing change i think that's seems pretty mature for some of these players to think that way um, because it's you know the easy knee-jerk reaction is to just look at well Baylor and TCU are the two best teams in the state that's where I want to go Um, and you know what they may still be and and there'll be plenty of good players are going to look at their recruiting and look at what they've got there and think yep those guys aren't moving anytime soon but I think the players are looking at the right characteristics now Um, it sure feels that way at least
0: no I, I agree wholeheartedly and it's just I think strong is, is being consistent with his with his vision and you know and what he's about and I think not only is is, is he talking it I, I think he's living it and seeing it and I just think it's starting to to, to resonate so um, a few other prospects who uh, are on our radar who I think are, are in my opinion as sitting it you know in July you know half like a century before signing day you know 2000, February 2016 I think some guys we're in pretty good shape with. I think Whaley, the number one running back. Um, I think we're in good shape with him, obviously, because he's real good friends with um PJ Lot on the team. And I think when it's said and done, Whaley's gonna be a longhorn. I think little Jordan Humphrey of um, Southlake, Texas. Um, you know, what's weird is is you know, he's listed as a running back, but obviously he's six five. He's not gonna be a running back in um, in college. He's probably gonna be a tight end or a receiver, but I, I like where we stand, I like where we stand with him. Um, I think receivers, we've got three committed. Um, you know, I just don't know if we can take another one, but I think the kid that's obviously an LSU commit right now, D. Anderson, um, there's potential that he may still get in the 2016 class. Um, I'll tell you one, it's gonna be tough to pull him, but he just keeps showing up in Austin, and that's Jamel um, Pettigrew, he's currently committed uh, I don't know if we're going to flip him or not, but um, you know, it's going to be an interesting re- recruitment to watch. Um, obviously, we all saw tonight that um, Delance um, listed his top five. I think it's going to come down to us and you know, AM and and, and, and and you know, to where he ends up, but he's a big time line. But I, I, at the end of the day, we're in pretty good shape with him. Um, defensive end, um, man, I just don't know where we're going to end up. I know that Fowler. Eric Fowler, who's currently again committed to LSU, is really good friends with our newest commit, the 2017 quarterback, Ellinger. I know I didn't bring him up. 2017 just seems like forever. But, yes, we did pick up another really, really good quarterback um, um, yesterday, and and, and we'll talk about him in just a second. But um, he's real good friends with Eric Fowler, um, who's currently committed to LSU. So that's one to watch. I'll tell you another one to watch is um, Justin uh, Matabook out of McKinney, six four um 240. um that's going to be one really really to watch um he had he doesn't do a lot of visit doesn't do a lot of interviews but out of the blue he showed up in austin the other day his first visit um so i, I think we're in it with him to the end so again that's going to be one to watch um, um, the one that I-, I would put on serious commit alert is jordan elliott he's currently committed to u of h um, I mean, nobody really felt like he was going to stick with U of H. He's been to Austin about, I mean, every weekend it seems the last month. Uh, I just have a feeling commit and flip to Texas is coming just any day. So it's uh, going to be one to watch. And then obviously kid, another kid out of New Orleans, Stephen Taylor, who was in Austin yesterday. I would keep an eye on that name as well. Um, at linebacker, um, I feel very, very good that we're going to get Jeffrey McCullough, Dontavius out of A. Lee Felsick. Um, so, um, I think we're in good shape there. Eric Comfy, the one at cornerback, I think we're in really, really good shape with. And then, obviously, at safety, um, I feel real good about Brandon Jones, AC, and probably Christian Wallace. Um, I, I I think those are the three we close with there. So, if we, if we close with that group of 22, 23 um, players, I think that's all we're going to be able to get in this class. We're not going to be able to get. Five just because of sheer numbers. Uh, That's going to put us in. That's going to put us right at a top ten class, and that would be pretty, pretty strong. Obviously, off to a start already um, with the two thousand seventeen class, which I think is where you're really, really going to start to see recruiting back to where um, you know level we expected it. Strong. will be going into his third season. He's had two. Two years to build the relationships uh, i think the 2007 class will be off the charts i think we'll be in the top five easy And we're already off to a tremendous start and we got damon miller probably going to be the number one rated receiver in that class and then ellinger other than you know sean watson probably the number two ranked quarterback so um you know recruiting seems to be back you know headed in the right direction obviously we now we we need we need strong to currently Develop what we have on campus and, and get us some more wins because it's happy. It's as, as good as the signs are now uh, It could sure turn um, you know, you know bad uh, again quickly if we if we stringing together uh, more wins because uh, I mean, Winning is obviously a big part of the puzzle and you know I, I would say that one thing that has changed the landscape in the Big 12 is obviously is is TCU and and Baylor I mean Baylor's not going away. I don't think they're a one hit wonder. I mean, they're going to have years, obviously, where they're going to be really, really good years where they're just good. But I think Bryles, just because of his ties to Texas and what he's done there, Baylor is going to be in the hunt for a lot of these big time players. And so is you. I mean, obviously, TCU probably should have been in the playoffs last year. Uh, a lot of people are picking them to be in the playoffs this year. Um, they're not going away. I mean, both of their recruiting classes the last couple of years, and, and, and what they've got going already for 2016. So obviously, Strong has moved into a situation where there's more competition um, for a lot of these elite players. It's a different landscape today. So that, it, it just it is what it is. And then obviously, you'll have A&M and OU, and you know some of the other, you know LSU and, and those schools that come into Texas. So um, Strong is battling a different. Uh, a different animal than what Matt had to battle, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. Um, Matt just had to start winning and get out there, and, and the recruits were lined up because Baylor, TCU, and those schools were, were, were horrible. A&M was horrible. I mean, really, you know, it was a lot easier for Matt to take over the state because other than OU, nobody else was really recruiting that well. So, um, But considering where we were just a year and a half ago and in the, in the, in the downslide recruiting, uh, Strong and, and his staff have, have really come in and, and, and done a pretty good job. More work to do, absolutely. But I think it's headed back in the right direction. Matt?
1: Well, let me ask you a question, just summar, summarizing what you said there. Uh, how would you rank Charlie Strong's recruiting prowess so far on a scale of one star to five?
0: Um... All since he's been here. Yeah, did you hear me? Yeah, I think it cut out. I think you said rate his overall recruiting prowess from one star to five. Yeah, is he a five-star recruiter or is he a one-star recruiter? Uh, Based on I know now, right now, I would say he's pushing just under four star in in two years, but I think. And I think I think if it if it plays out, I'm seeing a trend. By the time the 2017 class signs, I think you would say he's a four, four and a half star. Or it could go the other way. I think it's still undetermined. Uh, I, I would say based on what I see going on with 2016, early 2017, I would put him at a at, at just about a four star, maybe a little under, maybe like a 3.9. To, Point one four point two right in there depending on how 2016 the key is is he still I mean I I say this I say he still hasn't been able to land Several of the elites of the elites, but I mean we did get Malik last year and there was a couple others so I guess what would get it to the next level is is Instead of having one or two Malik's in the class we need to have maybe three or four type Malik's uh, right now we've got one one, maybe two in the 2016. I think 2017 we could have three or four. Um, um, you know, so I, I see a trend that we're definitely on the trend line, but I still think it's so fragile that, that, it, that it's no guarantee it's going to continue on the uptrend. I think there's some variables, i.e not winning uh, and, and, some, and some other things that could occur that it makes it so fragile. It could, it could start trending back down. I don't think he's, I don't think he's shown enough or done enough yet to, to be able to sit back or us to sit back and say, yeah, this thing's really going to trend upward yet. So, and obviously, you know, some of those, some of those variables that, that have helped is, is, is one is, I think he's done a really, really good job of selling behind the scenes on a, on a, on a flip chart, whatever he's doing to, to players and parents, his vision and his values and, and what he believes. I really think that's starting to resonate. So I think that's number one. <laughs> number two is I think his assistant coaches have been able to do the same. I think it's also helped is, I mean, you can just look at our depth chart. I mean, I mean p- kids want to come in and play. I mean, if you're a big-time player, there's no reason that you shouldn't feel at any position – that you couldn't come in and compete and start in the first year or two, which I think that's what he wants. He, I mean, not most coaches will tell players that, oh, yeah, you have a chance to come in and start. You're going to be my guy. Well, when you look up and there's a bunch of studs in front of you, that may or may not be true. So not only can he sell that as a recruiting pitch, it's, it, it, it's, it's pretty damn true in our case, especially offensive line, defensive line, because I'm just convinced that, um, I think he's okay. And I think we're gonna see it by 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 Big 12 play. You're gonna look up and we're gonna have we're gonna have damn near 1214 true freshmen and red shirt freshmen playing. You're not gonna see many more Matt Brown players that were recruited by Matt playing on this football team. You're just not gonna see it unless we have nobody else. Now of 16 class hits, you won't see any. He will have completely, I just don't think he likes what they bring to the table. So I think he's selling that. And then let's be honest with you. Um, the, the fourth variable, which cannot be understated, is is is, is m has has crapped the bit. I mean they they have really they had they they had an opportunity for a year and a half to really put a stranglehold on not only us but Baylor, OU, TCU. TCU steps up and goes, you know, 12 and one. Baylor has a good year, you know, OU average year, but the year before they beat Alabama, so they got back in. Into- conversation and A and handle their business, and now you look at A and M's. You know, A and M's recruiting class. They've got 13, 14 commits. 13 of them are, are, are three stars. They've got two four stars, and, and they have no momentum. None of the none of the guys I mentioned, maybe maybe four or five are even considered A and I mean, Dontavis Jackson, the number one or number linebacker in the state of Texas and in the in the country comes out with a top six the other day and AM's not even in it. So they're, 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 they're not even in the top. deal. so, so them taking a step back and, and losing and the arrest and, and being an average, you know, being basically Vanderbilt 0. 0 in the sec now, um, you know, that, that has helped with their luster, the Johnny football, Johnny Manziel luster has, has worn off. And now there's real conversation. If I go to A&M, someone may not be my coach in two years. So, so, Charlie Strong has gotten some help there as well. But at the end of the day, I will always say this. We've still got to win more football games. We can't go six and six this year because that's what I talk about. The trend line, it's still very fragile. We go six and six. Some guys that we we're, we could have gotten probably are not going to come on board. At eight and four, they're probably coming on board because they see they see some positive change. So we've got to win football games. If, if we win eight games this year and ten the next year, game over he's gonna he's going to own the state because people are going to see what he did in three years that's just my opinion wrong. And
1: mike and i think that's part of what frustrates me about the patterson thing is because you almost have to give off the the, the image of success before you're actually successful right well if yes if patterson didn't burn a bunch of bridges and we go six and six but maybe we look better towards the later part in the year i mean it's not going to be pretty but there might be some optimism if we go 6-6 six and six this year with as pissed off as some of the fan bases, there's going to be 20,000 empty, 20, empty seats in BKR. That's going to look terrible. And that's going to just give off... And unfortunately, the media is going to jump on this and they're going to say that Texas fans don't support Charlie Strong, which I think... I haven't talked to them all, but I think that most people are pretty patient with Strong understanding where he what he uh, took over. But they aren't going to show up for those games in November if this team is 6-6. Six and six. I mean, they've got they've got in the first half of the season Notre Dame, TCU, Oklahoma. I think you almost have to you have to win at least one of those games Do it. I mean even if you get killed in the other two, win one of them so you can walk into the second half of the season and say, "All right, it's starting. We got our first win of a you know, we beat a decent team for the first time under Strong's watch and then see if there's some momentum building, but that's the problem with Patterson's move doing it right now is that Fans are going to cross their arms and wait to be won over. You know, there's there's not a lot of excitement being generated by the fan base. They're, they'll show up no matter what. If we go 12 and 0, we could have you know the worst person on earth as athletic director, and they'll still be trying to crawl into the stadium because everybody loves a winner. Where you see the impact is at six and six, five and seven, seven and five.
0: No, I think those are 100% valid points. Is yeah, you go six and six and couple more you know terrible blowout type losses um the the frustration of your tickets doubling um the 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 frustration of and i mean texas has we've always been a when we we haven't been very good um in football especially football uh, we've always been a target national media we you know it's fun to jump on us you know because we you know we we are big. We do. We do. You know, make a lot of money, and you know, we we do have some, some arrogant fans because because of that. Um, hell, I may be one of them, but that's okay. But I mean, so so when things are down, the 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 so-called haters. I mean, they, they come out and they do pile on. I mean, Clay Travis writes a negative story. I mean, the SEC recruiting. You know, so you're right with with Patterson basically treating the media. You're being considered an ass. The the fans frustrated over Patterson strong could catch some serious 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 backlash they look terrible and it may not be warranted um it, it, it may just be all part of the process i mean people people may want to you know gather themselves i mean we very well could go six this year now does that mean that that it's doom and gloom and we won't win 10 games in the next two years i, I don't know what it means uh i can assure you with all of like you all of the negativity with Patterson, the ticket prices, the poor press, and people loving to jump on us. Oh, I can assure you that the the pitchforks will, will will come out from not only our fans but every other fan base and national media, and and and, and, and it'll, it'll it'll be a bloodbath, and and, and will have to put on a serious layer uh, of protection because um um now until the 2016 kickoff, it, it'll be a long 12 months for sure for him. Uh, there, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And it's all because of the, the negativity driven driven by Patterson. So hopefully Patterson, you know, has been called in and has been told you need to put it down uh, and, 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 you know, and let the ship right a little bit. Or, you know, I, I don't know what those conversations are within this, but I, I'm sure they got pretty heated. And I'm sure he was told that he needs to change his tune. The key is, hell, can, I don't know if he can change his tune. This is who he is.
1: I agree 100%. I mean, it's you hired this guy. He's doing the same thing he's done everywhere else. Now you're going to call him in and tell him he's got to change. Like, that you know, it's on you. You're the one that hired him, Texas. I mean, and, and you know, it's funny. You go back, there was some, some people were concerned by that Portland Writers uh, article, and some dismissed it and said that guy was an idiot. But, I mean, how true is most of that stuff now? It sure sounds like the same pattern we're seeing in Austin. Theory and I—that and yeah, I mean, it it that, stuff—that stuff was readily available, and I—I just—I I go back to the hiring process. That, you know, I—I I don't understand—I don't understand how you don't bet that stuff, um, because a good athletic director has a lot of strength. But and honestly, I'll say this: I thought Delos Dobbs. Obviously, you know, he struggled early on. People were trying to run him out during the Makovic years, and then he got it together with a series of good hires. And he, you know, we all knew who he was, but he was a power broker. But I really felt like towards the end of his regime, he was too much out in the, in front of the camera, making too many comments and rocking this boat about realignment and all of that stuff. And it feels like what we hired is, you know, Dodds 2.0, someone that's even further out in the limelight. I mean, how many interviews did Patterson give before the first football game was played under his watch? And it's like, this guy's a brand new AD. Stop interviewing
0: with reporters and get to work yeah ironically what what's funny is is if, if you know strong fails in the next couple of years uh you know there's no doubt that that and patterson you know you know patterson will be gone 100 um uh, you know but ironically if strong does succeed and, and, and get this thing going the way that we want it to get going you know strong strong very well could save patterson for a couple more years now i think eventually patterson will rub enough people wrong and i don't see him as a long-term person but he may survive his first contract and then decide to leave and go do something else but um he's definitely you know the key is is how you know how quick it happens i mean you know you know strong struggles like this year like you said and if we have another rough year the bad pr i could pull in the trigger on patterson and then people will be happy they say Hey, you know, um, you know, you know, you know. in other words, Patterson kind of becomes the the, the the fall guy. And then, you know, and then, you know, they go from there and then, and then fans are kind of happy. Well, we got rid of him and it kind of provides cover for strong for a year or two to he is the right. Because I, I, I think even if we go six and six, I, I don't think strong should be fired just yet. I mean, I guess if we get blown out five times and we look horrible, I mean, you got to at least start having the conversation, is he the right guy? But I, I still think it would be too soon. For me, I think the true judge for me has got to be 2016 season. I mean, you know, um, that, that's the season I've kind of you know pointed to because I'm looking at our roster, looking at the recruits. Uh, I think by the end, three years, he's going to have most of his players in place of what he's wanting to do, even though young, I'm not saying you can't you, – I, I would rather – I'd rather, you know, play young people to give their all than than play old guys who, you know, are just not, you know, and I think that's the direction he's going to go, and I'm okay with that. So, you know, I hate to say the 2015 season is a mulligan, but, I mean, you know, I want to see improvement, but, I mean, I'm not going to sit here. I mean, there's no way nobody can expect us to to win 10 or 11 games. If we do, it would be remarkable. But, I mean, I just don't think we're there yet. Hell, we don't even know who our quarterback's going to be. We're five weeks in. I mean, how many teams that win 10 or 11 games five weeks before the season don't know who their who their starting quarterback is? None. And then if we name one tomorrow, are we are we are we confident that he's the right guy? If Hurd was named the starting quarterback tomorrow, how confident are you that, that he's the right guy? I'm not confident he's the right guy. If swoops is named the starting quarterback tomorrow, I'm not confident he's the right guy. So see, though we've got too many questions. At the most important position in college football, five weeks from the season. Some teams don't have that, don't have those questions. When in 2008, 2009, there was never a question about Colt McCoy in the quarterback position. And in, in 2004 and five, or especially in five after Bench Young did what he did in 2004, there was no question on who, who was the quarterback and what we were going to do until we're 100% confident everybody in that position. We 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 can't expect anything, and we haven't solved it yet. Now it may be solved this year. Let's for God's sake, let's hope it is. But until it does, ten-win teams are not having these conversations. Ohio State is not having a conversation about quarterback. The only conversation they're having is which stud do they want to start, and ain't that which one's not going to perform. So lot, lots well, of questions going in. Yeah, go ahead. Is it too early to throw this
1: out there? But I think my position right now, thinking the hypothetical you threw out there, is unless Hurd just dominates practice in the fall, I say start Swoops because if Swoops comes out in the first half and fumbles in the end zone and throws a pick six and makes catastrophic errors like he's prone to do sometimes in big games, then you've got no other choice. So, and and then Hurd's got no pressure because you know, hey man, it's your car now. Swoops just drove it into the tree, so here's your new one, and it's your team. I think that if you start Hurd, like I said, unless he is heads up, like far and away better quarterback, you got a, a young quarterback that's playing kind of looking over his shoulder. Now I don't know what's in between Hurd's ears, and some players may thrive under that pressure, but uh, I think. I mean, obviously the best scenario would be whoever starts just kicked ass for snap of the season, uh, but let's be real. It'll probably be a bumpy road, but if it's really bumpy, uh, I mean, I think you've got a quick hook. I think uh, just some of the stuff we saw last year, I, I saw flashes of pretty goodness from swoops, but then I saw flashes of just being not a Division One quarterback, and that's what he's got to get rid of. I mean, we could win eight games if we've got a decent quarterback and swoops the defense from time to time. you got to get rid of those ridiculous turnovers, fumbling the ball at the one-yard line, fumbling in your own end zone. I mean, you're just throwing – we basically threw away a touchdown every single game last year. And the, and the miracle, really, we went six and seven when you give away seven points at least every week.
0: Yeah, before you, yeah if you're starting down seven-nothing before you kick it off, and in some instances 10 or 14-nothing before you kick off, I, it, it's tough to – it, it, it's tough to come back. And, I, and I, you know what? And I thought about it over the summer. I, and like you said, unless Hurd just goes out there in fall camp and completely looks like Vince Young or something, I think that's exactly what we can expect. I think Swoop will start. And I think the coaches are going to monitor it very closely. And if he's, you know, playing, you know, decent and, and, and you know, whatever, I, I think they're going to roll with it. But like you said, if he throws a pick six or fumbles and just the offense missing throws, I think they're gonna they're gonna call on her, say, okay, it's your time now, and I think and then he goes in and he and, and that and that's it, and then the, and, and that and then you know the new quarterback, and then we'll just run with her the rest of the season and see what happens. I think that's exactly what the plan is, um, you know, um, and, and I don't know if that's the right one. I mean, the the question at the quarterback position may not even be on campus yet, and if he isn't, I mean, it, we're we're gonna struggle till Shane Bichelle gets there. I mean, it, it, you know, Boucher – so I mean, again, teams that win 10, 11, 12 games are not having this conversation in August. I mean, they're they're talking about you know other 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 areas. Um, so in I we hadn't even talked about the offensive line tonight. We're going to get into that in the next week or two. But I mean, it's it's going to be a little better as well. But I mean, how much better we just don't know. So um, until until the quarterback position, until somebody steps up and shows and you know, and maybe Swoops is it. I mean, you have to think about it. Swoops really shouldn't have last year. He, sh- I mean, he should have. He should have, you know, redshirted. You know, the year before, he should have, you know, probably been a part timer last year. When Ash got hurt. He probably should have never seen the field. So, I don't blame a lot of where Swoops is on him. He literally was thrown into the fire, um, uh, and obviously, the, his mental makeup fire was too hot for him. In many instances, he was not ready. Now. Will will he take those opportunities that he had last year and learn from them and move forward, or will they continue to plague him? That's the million dollar question, and I bet probably uh, about nine minutes into the to the game game in front of eighty thousand plus fans in South Bend, we're going to have a pretty good answer to that question. And I hope it's a positive question because if not, you're I think it's going to play out exactly like you said. We're gonna see Hurd warming up on the sideline and then he's gonna hand it off to Hurd and and then that's gonna be it. And the swoops error will be over really before it begins um, for whatever it's worth. Because I don't think gonna sit there and let him continue to have three and four turnovers and and, and and do that. Last year we had no option. He had to do that. Um, this year I don't think he will do that. And and you know what? Who's not to say that, that Kay Loxley, the true freshman, doesn't come in there and show something and if I, I may roll. Loxley out there. I don't know. But I, I mean I but I think I think Strong understands the urgency that he has to win football games. And I don't think he's scared to roll Loxley out there. Um, he's gonna roll out there whoever he thinks is gonna give him the best opportunity to win. And hell at this point it may be Loxley. I don't know. We're gonna find out here in a few weeks. You know the I guess the sad part for me is like I said, his was really thrown into a situation that 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 he wasn't ready to handle and he did not handle it very well yeah he showed some flashes of some greatness but man he you know you know i guess until we get a couple games in my lasting memory is 59 yards i mean that that was the worst offensive debacle i mean i can't even move past that see you know something positive so but with that said let's move on to our last couple um couple quick topics and then we'll get on out of here a couple some updates, some names, and some players that seem to be. Uh, I and mean, I know it's only summer workout weights and and those things, but it's still players that have shown uh, that have really stepped up and seem to be uh, emerging leaders on the team. Obviously, Malik. Uh, no surprise there. He's up to about 240. Um, just expect to see him on the film on the field early and off. Uh, you know, players navigate to him. Um, I mean, there's a reason he was. Sought by every um, you know university in America. I mean, he is the real deal, and he's emerged as a serious leader and superstar. Uh, another one, Andre McNeil um, seems to be killing it in off-season workouts. Uh, another player who I think is going to see the field early and often, and it's going to it's going to before it's all said and done. is going to be mentioned as some of the best receivers ever to come through UT, and that's John Burt. A lot of drama with his recruiting. You know, he decommitted, went to Auburn, then back. And all that. Uh, that's going to be forgiven and forgotten very quickly because this kid, apparently out on seven on seven um, uh, from all the reports, um, he is un- uncoverable at this point. We don't have a DB on the team that can stay with him. He just runs open, makes plays, and, and, is, and is unreal. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, uh, obviously Cecil Cherry, Wheeler, some of the other young defensive players have basically come into the weight room. come into the program and have completely stirred things up and and basically has been some reports that a lot of the older guys and i guess by saying older guys um you know brown um recruits that have been in the program a while um, a lot of these young guys have come in and have basically matt have rubbed a lot of these older guys the wrong way and said hey freshman you don't know your place and basically, some of the freshmen said, "Yeah, I know my place. My place is winning, and your way sucks. And we're running this shit now." So we've got a different, whole different mindset through the program now. We got some, we got some dudes that are that are that are that flat out getting your face. And um, you know, I, I hate to say it, you know, we've got some strong, some Charlie Strong, Louisville type recruits. Some of these guys that came from Florida that had a chip on their shoulder. Um, that you know, they were they had one bench press high school versus some of our Texas kids who have luxurious, you know, indoor practice facilities in high school. So uh, we've got kind of some junkyard dogs in the program that we haven't had in a long time. And uh, I absolutely love it when I hear these reports that, that some of these freshmen have come in and turned it upside down and basically made some scenes and shut up that were lazy and not doing nothing. So that's that's what we, we wanted. Culture change. I think we've officially got it now. I'm all for it yeah because obviously the, the other um, wasn't um, wasn't working so um, also real quick and I hate to even bring this up because I know it's Matt's worst topic to talk about but this damn expansion um, cannot seem to go away I guess reports today that so-called Big 12 representatives have at least talked to IU and Boise, we've heard those. Um, you know, a lot of the Big 12 wants to expand. Um, some of it wants to stay the same. Um, you know, obviously the Big 12. I guess it could completely break up. I don't. I don't think. I guess the way the current <laughs> tier three rights are, nobody could leave the Big 12. One, but I guess if nine, if you know, if eight of the teams just decided we're not going to do it anymore, and it broke up. I guess the Big 12 could slew those nine schools and it could turn into a mess. But I think there's power in numbers. I think if enough of them got together and wanted to do something, um, that contract would end. There's not much they can do. Um, I, I think it's fair to say, um, and this ain't no hard prediction, that the Big 12 is going to have to expand and expand in a big way, get several more teams and go back to a North and South division, or it's going to, ha- or, or it is to break up and go away in a when, who knows will it be when the tier three rights are up or will it be that behind the scenes seven or eight teams just decide hey we're imploding this thing and we're all going to go to the acc the big you know we're going to make one big super conference or however you know we've all talked about before but there's no there's no doubt that the current form existence of the big 12 is not going to last um past the current tier three rights when I think they're up in 2020 or whatever it is. Um, so things are it implode or, or expand dramatically. The key is what direction will the, will those, um, you know, go. Oh, um, you has flirted with the sec. Uh, we flirted with the ACC. There's been other, you know, people with the big 10. So I just don't think um, these type of hawks rumors are going to go away until Big 12 expands and, 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 and adds many teams, viable teams, or it's going to implode. I, I think it's inevitable. Um, the key is where where we land up, where we land. Hell, who knows? I mean, I, I think we could. I mean, will there even be an SEC and ACC, Pac 10, Pac 12, Big 10? Who knows what it's going to look like? But I, but I think, I think unfortunately, it's going to be a major shakeup, and the Big 12 is going to probably be the first current conferences to implode. It's going to lead to bigger shakeup. So I, I am 100% convinced of that now because there's just too much smoke and there's just there's too much of it. It just it won't die. And if you look at it, it's really not a viable conference in the current landscape of college football anymore. It, it's, so that's my two cents on expansion. I know Matt did not like to talk about it, and I'll let him close out with that, and we'll get out of here.
1: Yeah, whatever. I'm just so beaten by it. I mean- <laughs> my eyes glaze over the second I hear stuff being thrown around about that. It's all, it'll get sorted out one way or the other, and I probably will be long gone or long disinterested once by the time that happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's going to work out, and I mean, you know, te- you know, people say, well, you know, Texas is going to be left out. No, we're not going to be left out. We're going to end up in a very viable conference, and it may be the Big 12, it may be called something else, but um uh, you know we we bring something to the table oh you bring something you know you know it's all going to shake out it's going to be positive uh you know sometimes change scares people but yeah i mean I, like I, you know we're gonna have 12 teams on the football schedule and, and let's say it's going to shape out unfortunately i do think it's going to happen sooner than later i just i, I you know the, the key is what it what it's going to be and, and, and but I, I don't think it's just going to be us i think it I think it's going to start with the Big 12, and then it's going to snowball into these um, four super conferences. But I think the—I'm um, convinced that the playoff, the football playoffs, is going to go to um, to eight schools uh, as well um, sooner than later. And I think I don't—I I think it's going to happen even before the current contract is over because they'll just tear that up and get another contract with with much more money. So, um,
1: well, hey, Mike, you know, well, I, I will ask I'll, you this question. If if the playoff goes to eight teams, doesn't that make the Big Twelve more viable?
0: Well, it, it, absolutely if it does. It it could. That's if, what you're I'm the, if
1: you're the sixth best conference, I mean, in a theory, an eighteen playoff, you can you can bring in all five Power Five champs, and then you can have three at large, which is pretty fair. And yeah, the SEC is going to bitch that they can't have fifteen teams in it, but I mean, they can shut up. But I think that maybe maybe that's the big 12s white because let's be real man the four team playoff was awesome it's only a matter of time until we go to 8 12 16 something like that at that point you know shoot you almost start saying at that point if you get to 16 what does comp what conferences even matter I mean let's just play whoever <laughs> will vote on the top 16 and let's play, play let's just put it all in the playoff well I think I I, I think that's a
0: valid point I think what a lot of the Big 12 presidents and people are seeing is, okay, if the, if the playoffs are going to go to eight before implosion or major realignment, let's sit back, let it go to eight, and then is there are going to be some teams like a BYU, a Boise who could never get in the playoffs, so the Big 12 is going to get three or four teams that are want to be part of the Big 12 because now those teams have a legitimate shot to get in to the playoffs, and the Big Twelve can be a lot more selective on who they let in. They don't just have to let somebody in for the sake of expanding. They can be more selective. So I think I think the Big Twelve future is what the college football playoffs is going to do. Absolutely correct. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun. But hopefully, we won't have to talk about that much after this week. We'll have guests on previewing, and then a few weeks we'll have real games. Um, but next week, we are going to have uh, Kenny on, blatant homerism, Brian Etheridge truth of the bear, talk about Baylor and OU, but the people who cover their teams, what they expect from their teams this year. And uh, we'll, me and Matt will probably talk about one of the other conferences. Uh, we're going to start previewing the other conferences. Uh, me and Matt will start previewing. Uh, and, you know, we're going to lead up right up into the Notre Dame game. We'll make our final big um, 12 predictions. going to make our uh, every conference predictions. We'll make our way, way, way too early final four playoff predictions, and it'll be some good fun, and um, next thing you know, uh, we'll be it'll be Wednesday night, and then I'll be talking about catching my plane Thursday, headed to Chicago, so football season is here, and I'm just glad the guests are here. We're glad the Orange Report is back. Uh, we've got some really, really cool stuff planned So this season, so Hope everybody listens every week. Matt, listeners, where they can connect with you on Twitter.
1: Yes, sir. You can find me at UT Tailgators. UT Tailgators, no spaces, no hyphens. And uh, I've been pretty quiet over the past few days because I'm still getting over this stupid chest bug, but we'll be back rocking and rolling here in a day or two.
0: That's right. right. We'll be talking some NFL. Hey, baseball playoffs are going to get interesting. My Astros are tied with the – we're still in the hunt to make the playoffs after losing our games last year, which is amazing. So lots of good sports things um, going on. If y'all want to find me on Twitter, obviously it's easy, at fan. So with that said, we'll see y'all next Wednesday at 8 o'clock, kicking off our preview shows. Remember, the eyes of Texas are upon you. Hook'em Horns, and since it's Hook'em Horns all day, all night, a little wild for When I
2: was just a kid, my dad told me, when it comes to football in Texas, there's only one team, they played down in Austin, Saturdays in the fall, at Darryl K. Royal, 100,000 strong. As I grew So didn't my pride For the thunder of old smoke And singing Texas fight For Bebo and the boys Down there on the field Come on, hookin' horns I know you will Now see young Run for the roses Watch Ricky and Earl Strike them highs and poses I've witnessed the battle for that old red river And I've crossed back over most times a winter I'm one of the chosen whose blood runs for a Thank God I was born a Texas Longhorn If you ask me the greatest thing in the world Here's a pre-game tailgate with a bunch of UT girls Down on San Francisco, Long Nation all around Come early, stay late, and get loud. I've seen Colt McCoy, Throw Boy, and Shippen. And I've heard all the stories of the great 1960s From Novus to the Michael the Rackford, Applewhite Those names you remember Thank God I was born a Texas Longhorn. I hate them Red Raiders and them Baylor Bears. Let the Aggies keep their 12th man, I just don't care. So long Nebraska, guess we beat you too much. And never forget, oh you suck! Go.